Okay. All right. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Revelation chapter number 17. Revelation chapter 17. Did everybody get a, a everybody get an outline? Everybody get an outline. Anybody need an outline? I want to make sure you have one. Anybody need an outline? All right. Oh, everybody good. Everybody good. Everybody good. All right. Let's jump right now. Before I start, did ever, was this handed out or was this in the pews? All right. So, listen. We've got an idea. We've got an idea that we want to uh, put forth to you uh, about Wednesday nights and, and to increase fellowship a little bit, hanging out and that type of thing. It is a little survey I want you to take home. Uh, you, can either, you can either fill this out uh, and, and bring it back, or you can do it online. Either way. Is that, did I say that correctly? Or you can drop it off tonight on your way out. I don't recommend that because you'll be trying to fill that out while I'm talking. And I promise you this, tonight is a movie that you can't go get popcorn or go to the bathroom. You got to stay with me tonight, all right? I'm telling you, you got to stay with me tonight. This is, I have been cramming my brain. I'm telling you, I felt like I was cramming for an exam uh, on this one here tonight. So, so please, uh, fill that out, send it on the internet or bring it back next week or however you want to do it. If you can do it tonight, it, it don't matter either way. But we would like to know how you feel about that. Uh, it's one thing we don't want to do something if, if nobody, you know, nobody's interested in, in making that happen. Uh, but if you are, we want to be a blessing to you. And all God's people say it. All right. We ended up, <clears throat> we ended up last week with the, the, the final judgments being poured out upon this earth, uh, upon the Antichrist and Satan's crowd. And, and, uh, and, and there's a pause. There's a pause here that we're going to study tonight. And next week, 17 and 18, now chronologically, if we was going chronologically, we'd go all the way from chapter 16 and jump into chapter 19 with the return of the Lord and uh, on the white horse and, and Armageddon. Uh, but he stops, he stops and says, let me, let me describe this to you. Let me tell you what's happening uh, here on this earth in chapter 17 and 18. And so let's, let's jump right in here and we'll read and we'll get started tonight. How many of you are glad to be here? Me too, me too. It, we, we have an honor, and it is a privilege. Uh, we, I don't have to come tonight. I get to. I get to. Uh, uh, this is a, a, a free country that we live in, for now, anyway. And uh, I'm glad to know I didn't have to hide from somebody to come. Amen? And sometimes I, I just want to stop and, and thank the Lord and, and, and appreciate the small things that sometimes we take for granted. Amen? Verse number one. Revelation 17, 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered... With great admiration. 
That is not admiring as in approval. Uh, it is it is shock and wondering what is the connection here? What is the connection with the woman and the beast? And we're going to see that God explains and He begins to He begins to interpret what He just gave John there in these few chapters or excuse me, few verses. So let's pray and we'll jump right in there tonight. Lord, thank you again for your blessings. Thank you again for the privilege of being in this place. You are so wonderful. And you are our friend and you're our, our guide. And the Holy Spirit is needed at this moment and this time to guide our minds and guide our hearts and, and, and reveal to us the, the truth of your word. I pray that your perfect will be done. Uh, Lord, forgive us of those things that, that we've done or thought or, or, or behaved in or attitudes or anything else that would hinder the Holy Spirit from having free reign tonight. I pray that you'll please help us. Give us what we stand in need of. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And Lord, I'll thank you and praise you and give you the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. As way of an intro, I want to I read the first paragraph, the first paragraph in your notes. And then we're gonna, I'm going to give you a, a, a few stuff tonight. That, that I don't have in your notes that you can write along the side, if you will, if you've got extra room there. Uh, beginning in Revelation 17, John describes the Lamb's step-by-step victory over the beast and his kingdom. All right, does everybody get that? Starting with 17, we're looking at the step-by-step victory over the beast. Jesus is coming back, the Lamb is coming back, and he's going to overcome the usurper, Satan, the beast, the false prophet. In Revelation 17, the religious system is judged. I want you to underline that. I want you to underline that in your notes. The religious system is judged. In Revelation 18, the political and economic system fall victim. And all of it's called Babylon. All right? We're going to deal with the religious system tonight. And then the political and economic system next week. Finally, the Lord himself returns to earth, judges Satan, the beast, and the false prophet, and then establishes kingdom, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Now, now here's where I want to go with this. <clears throat> because false religion is so much a part of this fallen world, it is no surprise that it will play a major role in the end times. During the tribulation, all of the world's diverse false religions will be reunited into one great world religion. That ultimate expression of false religion will be an essential element of the Antichrist's final world empire. Now watch this. This is so important. This is so essential. He's got to have this. Because in holding together his military, economic, and political structure, only religion, only religion can unite the world in the most compelling way. Politics, economics, even military force are unable to overcome the world's cultural diversity. Only religion, with its appeal to the supernatural, can transcend the physical, geographical, historical, economic, and cultural barriers to to world unity. Chapter 17 reveals the spiritual nature of the Antichrist kingdom, and chapter 18 follows with its material aspects. God is going to destroy both of of these aspects of the Antichrist kingdom. Now, if that makes sense, say amen. He's got to have it. The Antichrist has got to have this system to control people and to bring people in, to woo people, and to uh, uh, deceive people. Now, as we, as we go through this, normally, 
normally in a lesson, as we, as we see there are typologies and symbols in, in Revelation, we would go through the chapter and as we study it, we will reveal what each of them are through the notes and through the points. But I don't want to do that this time. I want to just tell them to you. I want to, I want to just say, hey, this is what this means, and this is what this means, and this is what this means, before we go into the chapter. Because I feel like, I personally feel like, that it would, you will get more out of the chapter if you know what those things are going into the chapter. And so we're going to do that real quick. So before, you, uh, 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 before we start into the notes, let me just tell you, there, there's, there's three, let's see, actually there's five things here. The harlot, the scarlet-colored beast, the seven heads, the ten horns, the many waters, <coughs> so on. <coughs> excuse me, so on and so forth. Now, now, uh, uh, if you're with me, say Amen. Okay. Now, here's the thing: if you want to take beside your notes in a, in a little open area or wherever you got space, or you just can remember this, it doesn't matter. However, you want to do it. First, the harlot. The harlot. The Bible says in verse one, "There's a great whore, a harlot." All right, in light of Old Testament, and I'm going to go into detail. I'm going to go into detail as we go through, but I'm just going to tell you what it is, okay? The harlot symbolizes a system that has misused divine truth for its own pleasure and profit or to acquire power on the earth. In such a charge, it is the corruption and debasement of truth that is in view. In other words, it's the Babylonian religious system. And we're going to come back to that, and I'm going to go into more detail, but just... Just, just keep in your head that this is a false system. It is a corrupt religious system. And the key word is system. Say that with me. System, all right? Now, then we see the scarlet-colored beast. There's no question this is the Antichrist. We tie, we tie in what we're reading here in chapter 17 with chapter 13, and you see the same image, you see the same uh, 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 the horns, the heads, everything. This is the, this is, and, and we go into description of him too, uh, as he is, uh, one who is and was and, and, uh, uh, and is again, he's killed. He's a political figure. We'll talk all about that, but the scarlet colored beast is the antichrist. Okay. Then we see the seven heads, <clears throat> the seven heads. These are seven mountains and in mountains in scripture, uh, uh, are referenced to kingdoms. You see in, in, in Psalm 30, verse 7, Jeremiah 51, verse 25, and Daniel chapter 2, verse 35, there, a mountain was representing a kingdom. Okay, so what are the kingdoms? It says one is fallen, or excuse me, five are fallen, one is, in other words, it's present, and one is yet to come. So you have the fallen, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and Greece, and like I said, I'm going into detail in a minute, but uh, then one is, and, and during that time, Rome... Uh, at the present time that John was writing this, Rome was in power. So that was the one that was, and now one is yet to come. That's the Antichrist kingdom, okay? So the, so the seven heads represents the seven kingdoms, uh, major world kingdoms, all right? On, but specifically, specifically those connected to God's people, all right? The nation of Israel. Yes, there were other large kingdoms. Yes, there were other, but they, were not, they didn't have a connection to God and his people through Scripture. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, then we have the ten horns. The ten horns are a confederation of ten world rulers under the authority of the Antichrist. All right, it's a confederation of ten world rulers under the authority of the Antichrist. All right, then we see the many waters. Many waters. It says in verse 1, Come, come hither and I will show thee <clears throat> unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now, what is the, it's not talking about a geographical location. It's talking about people. 
It's talking about people of the earth, all right? The, in, the one that she has influence over, all right? The one that the, this religious system has influence over, all right? Uh, how many of y'all were able to stay with me so far? Everybody good? All right, so we've got, we've got a system, a false religious system, the harlot. We've got the scarlet-colored beast that she's riding. That's the Antichrist. In other words, the Antichrist is going to use her to accomplish his, his purposes till he, he doesn't need her anymore, and we'll see what happens to that. Then the seven heads are, are the seven kingdoms, the seven major kingdoms, uh, uh, beginning with Egypt all the way to the Antichrist's kingdom. Then the ten horns are the ten confederated world rulers that are going to operate underneath and give their authority to the Antichrist. Then the many waters is the people that this religious system has influence over. All right? Now, now, let's, let's jump right into verse number one. <clears throat> and there came one of the seven angels which had the seven uh, uh, vials and talked with me, saying, thank you, Doc, uh, saying unto me, come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore which sitteth upon many waters. With whom the kings of the earth hath committed fornication. That's talking about their interaction, their interaction with this religious system. All right, and have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and uh, scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. In other words, she was very vicious. She was very, very vicious and killed many, many of God's people. And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, and when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So let's, let's jump into point number one. I'm sorry, these allergies are driving me insane. <clears throat> All right. We see the system is exposed. First, we see its nature described, <clears throat> the nature of this religious system. First, I want you to write this down, one underneath that. We see its designation. It's called a harlot. <clears throat> it's designation. All right. Now, let me explain. Let me explain. The false religious system is a harlot who has abandoned the truth and prostituted herself for personal gain. In every age, there has been a harlot who has persecuted God's people, and this will culminate in the last days in a worldwide apostate religious system. The Old Testament prophets used the picture of the intimacy of the marriage bond to describe Israel as the wife of Jehovah, owing him absolute fidelity with attendant purity. To be associated with or to give allegiance... To other gods is harlotry. For Israel to ally herself, ally herself with another nation meant that the, they were accepting their gods. If the motive for such league was commercial gain, then the charge was harlotry. Spiritual harlotry, since the divine revelation that set Israel apart, was ignored. And then we see this in Isaiah 121. How is the faithful city, we always know that's Jerusalem, how has the faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. That's Isaiah one twenty one. That's when Israel rebelled and, and uh, began to disobey and follow false gods. Jeremiah 3, 6. 
The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She is gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. What were they doing? They, were, they had idols. They had altars to false gods. All of these, the, the gods of this world were brought in, and instead of worshiping Jehovah, instead of worshiping the only one and true God, they had altars in high places and under trees where they would bow down to false gods, and God called that harlotry. He called it whoredom. And they were, in other words, they were cheating on the real, true God. Does that make sense? Amen. And so with that imagery, with that imagery in your mind and in your head, understand this is what he's talking about. There is only one God. There is one creator. It is the God of this world. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the God who said, let it be, and it was. Say amen. And they were, they were committing whoredom against God and, and, and bowing down to false gods and false images. So we see this designation. We see what it's meaning. <clears throat> now, then we see, number two, it's degradation. It's degradation. Not only is designation, but it's degradation. Verses 2, 4, and 6. It says, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk. It's given, the, it's given the implication of intoxication, the wine of her fornication. The woman was arrayed in purple, scarlet, and decked with gold and precious stones, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. You can take, you can take about any false religion, especially in the day of Israel, and there, when you find when you find idolatry, immorality is right there. It's right there. What what happened? What happened when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt and they made the golden calf? The golden calf was idolatry. What did they do? They got naked and started dancing. If you don't know what that is, that's immorality. Are y'all with me? Listen, immorality always follows idolatry. And, and when you go to extremes, there's always bloodshed behind it. There's always a, a, a vengeance against God's people. And so all of this is tied into this religious system. There's degradation. Then we see three, it's decoration. She's very wealthy. She's very wealthy. This religious system is one that produces, produces wealth. It doesn't take long to see that people can use religion to create great amounts of wealth. And I'm not going to go into great detail. I don't have to. You already know. I mean, when we went to Israel, there was churches over there, people starving to death and gold statues everywhere. It's unbelievable. But anyway, we see it's decoration, the nature of this it's going to look wealthy. It's going to, and by the way, many of these false religions, they always, they always, anyway, let's just go on B. I'm going to run out of time. B, we see the nature described, then the name declared. This is, this is what's going to get interesting. What's it called? What's her name? Look in verse 5. Look in verse 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, mystery, what's that next word? Say it again. Babylon the Great. The mother of harlots, the mother of harlots, 
and the abominations of the earth. Now, here's the thing. Her name reveals its introduction. All right, number one. Its name reveals its introduction. Where did this begin? There are many people that believe that the the Roman Catholic Church is the great harlot. Uh, because of everything that's connected, all of the details that's described in here and how it connects with uh, Roman Catholicism. I don't believe that, that I think you've got to go further past. I believe it's connected. I believe it's a part of it, but I don't believe it's the harlot because you have to go before that because they were false religions. This is the mother of all of them. So in order to get the true designation and the true nature of this particular uh, uh, description we are given, you've got to go all the way back to Genesis. You've got to go all the way back to right after the flood and with a man named Nimrod. Nimrod was the great-grandson of Noah. How many of y'all know who I'm talking about? You may not know Nimrod, but you know Noah. Amen? He, he's the one that made the ark. If you don't remember, he's the one that made the ark. Uh, his family come off the ark. Nimrod is the great-grandson. God said... Uh, uh, go and multiply, go and, and disperse, you know, replenish the earth, go. Well, this was, this was something that was taken and rebelled against. They, they gathered everybody to a city in this particular time. <clears throat> in this particular time, animals, animals began to repopulate faster than humans did. And because of that, how many of y'all know when, when you pull out, let's just say humanity pulls out of a city, uh, for whatever reason, abandons the city, animals take it over quick. I mean, you could look, just look at your garden. Quit messing with your garden, and, and nature comes back quickly. Well, uh, animals were coming back quickly. Nimrod, Nimrod became a great hunter. Uh, the animals began to attack humans. Well, he became the, the hero. He began, be, began in, to become a great hunter, and, and for that, they looked at him as a messiah. He was very arrogant. He was a rebel. It was during his beginning in the plain, and keep this in mind, keep this in your head, the plains of Shinar. The plains of Shinar was the original Babylon. That is where the Tower of Babel, Babel. We're going to get together. Let's all get together. He made them city. He made a city. He made them gates. He made them secure. In other words, he was their hero. He, he was a, he was an Old Testament picture of the New Testament Antichrist. And this is where he began. And they said, we're going to gather together and we're going to, we're going to make a tower. We're going to make a tower. And, And listen, they wasn't just building a skyscraper. It was their intent to build a tower to heaven. In other words, we're going to get to where God is without God. Do y'all understand that? They were rebelling They were saying, we don't need God. We don't need God to get to where God is. Now, here's the thing. With every false religion, you got to understand this. Mankind is desperately religious. They don't even know it. Mankind is desperately religious. You say, what do you mean? Mankind is going to worship something. Because God created in every human being a vacuum. A God-sized hole in every single human being. Now listen to me close, because this you got to get this, because this is where it's all going to make sense. There's a God-sized hole in every single human being that the only thing that can fill that hole and the only thing that can satisfy that longing is God. But there's only one catch with that. 
If we get God in there, then we got to do what God says. If we have God in our life, then that means we have to submit to the authority of God and be led by him. But man don't want that. Man loves their wickedness. Man loves their darkness. Man loves darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So instead of submitting to God and following God, we create our own religion. That way we can live the way we want to live. We write a Bible where I can be a homosexual and be okay. And live in fornication. We create a religion where God's okay with everybody. What are they doing? They've created a God of their own making. In other words, I'm going to get to God without God. I don't want God because then I have to submit to him. But there's something in me that wants to worship something. Say, preacher, give me an illustration. Okay. If we don't worship God, we're going to worship something. Something is going to take forefront. Some people, they worship their kids. Some people worship their spouses. Some people worship their jobs. Some people worship statues. Some people worship idols. There are people in the, in, overseas that worship cattle and worship stars. In the moon. They're going to worship something, and the deceiver, Satan, is more than willing to give them something to worship besides God. And now in these last days, listen, we got to gather everybody together. Man, this chaos is is all over this planet. Uh, uh, Untold horror is taking place. We gather together and people are desperate for something. They're desperate for an answer. They're desperate for hope and they're desperate for help. The Antichrist says, I got the answer. Can't we all just get along? I've got a religion that'll make everybody happy. And it began with Nimrod. Now, here's the thing. What, what did God do? What did God do with that crowd? Y'all really need to get a Bible. He confounded their language and then what? Now, guess what they did? The false religion, the system that Nimrod created and began was like a virus in them that they took to the ends of the earth. That is why when a missionary goes to an unreached people group in the deepest, darkest Africa or the furthest edges of the world, guess what they're doing? Guess what they're doing in those villages? They're worshiping. They're worshiping something. Sometimes it's a stick. Sometimes it's an animal. Y'all with me? Where'd they get that? Where'd they get that? They got it from Nimrod. He began the system. You see what I mean when it says the mother? The mother. That means it couldn't have just started. Couldn't have just started in Rome. This was happening way before then. All the way back to Nimrod. Now watch. <clears throat> we see its introduction with Nimrod, and I'll read some more there. Then we, we see its influence. This system has influenced every false religion. The city of Babylon was founded by Nimrod in Genesis 10, verse 8. The name Babel means the gate of God. 
Now, ironically, the famous Tower of Babel was an idolatrous attempt by man to defy God. When the Lord sent judgment on the builders by making mankind's one language into many, the word Babel came to mean confusion. Later in history, Babylon became a great empire before finally falling to Medo-Persia. But from the beginning of Nimrod's city in Genesis 10, an insidious anti-God, Babylonian, what's that word? Underline that word. Say it again. Say it again. Influence has been felt throughout history. The woman is the great harlot, but she is also the mother of harlots. The ba- and I underline this in my notes. I underline this in my notes. The Babylonian system has in one way or another given birth to all false religions. How many of y'all, y'all have ever asked, where would all these religions come from? Anybody ever asked that question? You ever heard that? Where would all these religions come from? Now you have the answer. They came from Nimrod. They came from Babylon. They came from the plains of Shinar. Are y'all with me? It was the plains of Shinar. Well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself again. I know where I'm going. Say amen. This system gave birth to all false religions. She also seduced men into opposing God and persecuting his servants. Listen, this system has been killing God's people from the beginning of time. From the beginning. Any, anybody that stood... Now, you've got to think about this. When you're a Christian, it's you against the world. Period. It's you against the world. And, and from, if any time that God's people stood up, there was always an influence to stand against them. Now, how does this relate to Babylon. The Babylonian system of false religion has been a part of history since Nimrod founded his empire. Scholars have discovered it is amazingly like the true Christian faith. Alas, it is Satan's counterfeit as God's truth. Babylonians practiced the worship of mother and child and even believed in the death and resurrection of the son. Now, if you want to do some homework, you can go and find out that they're all tied to it. Venus is tied to it. All the, all the different religions of the world and the different societies from, from Rome to Greece, all of these go back to Babylon. All of them go back to Babylon. All right? Now, <clears throat> let's look at, let's, let's begin to uh, uh, verse number six. No, no, excuse me. Verse number seven. Verse number seven. Now, does everybody understand before we go any further is everybody clear in understanding this is a religious system that began back, and it's, by the way, it's modern-day Iraq. That's where, that's where Babylon is, all right? Now, does everybody understand this is a system that's created all of these false religions that dates all the way back to the very, and by the way, if you look at it, the very first rebellion against God that ever took place, open, defiant rebellion against God, was there at the, at the plains of Shinar. And it's going to be where the very last rebellion, rebellion, I say when I say that, I mean headquarters, the headquarters, all right? Now, let's look at verse number seven. And the angel said unto me, wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the, the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast, now we're going to describe him. The beast that thou sawest was, in other words, he was alive, he was present, and is not, I mean, he died, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. All right, perdition is ruin, okay? 
It's ruin, loss or ruin. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet what? Now, you remember what we said several weeks ago? That somehow or another, somehow or another, this political figure, this human being, this human being that has great political clout, he is, he's got, he is charismatic, he is a, a hero to the world, he's got the answers to everybody's problems, somehow or another he's going to be killed. He's going to be wounded. He's going to have a death blow. Now, whether it's a deception, it's a trickery, whatever it might be, Satan brings him back and he comes back alive. And that is going to deceive countless millions of people. All right, so this is the one that was and was not and now is. How many of y'all see that's the Antichrist? Does everybody get that? He's going to be a political figure. He's going to be wounded unto death and, and he's going to be revived or resurrected, whatever that's going to be. And now he's alive again and deceiving people through that supposed miracle. Okay? Now, let's keep reading. <clears throat> Verse 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. All right? Now, I want to give you, I want to give you some really cool, really cool information here. <clears throat> All right? Now... Let's, let's, talk about those, let's talk about those seven. You remember? Let, let, let me go back. Let me go back. Uh, verse, verse 9. The seven heads are seven mountains. What do we say in Scripture mountains represented? Kingdoms. Kingdom. Say it with me. Kingdom. Everybody say it. Kingdom. Kingdoms. Now, look in verse 10. Verse 10 is helping you interpret what he just said in verse 9. There are seven kings. Uh, what does every king have? A kingdom. A kingdom. All right. There are seven kings. Five are fallen. They're gone. They're gone. They cease to exist. One is. All right. It was present. And the other is not yet. That means it's going to be in the, in the future, right? And when he cometh, when he cometh, that future king, he must, he must continue a short space. Now, how long is that space? Three and a half years. Very short space. All right, now, now watch. Let's look at who these, these five that have fallen. All right, these five that have fallen. First, it begins with Egypt. First, it begins with Egypt. All right, Egypt was the first world power that was connected with Israel. Egypt is represented by Pharaoh. All right, say that with me. Egypt is represented by... Now, what did, what did the Pharaoh try to do? He tried to exterminate the Jews. He tried to destroy God's people. Now his end time, now see, watch, there's going to be a connection between back then and Revelation. All right. One of the, one of the witnesses, one of the witnesses is going to be like who? Moses. Who defeated Pharaoh? Who's going to be one of the witnesses that overcome and, and uh, 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 preach against and fight against the, the Antichrist? He's going to be like Moses, right? All right. So the first the first uh, kingdom represented by Pharaoh, they sought to destroy the Hebrews. All right. The second is Assyria. Assyria. And Assyria <clears throat> was represented by Sennacherib. He bought, 
brought an army against Israel to destroy the Hebrews. What's it got in common with Pharaoh? Want to kill the Hebrews. We got to destroy the Hebrews. His destruction by angelic intervention previews such activity during the tribulation. What's bringing all the judgment upon, upon the devil's crowd? Who's dumping out the vials? Come on. Angels. God is using them as judgment. You see what happened? Sennacherib and his army was attacked and destroyed by angels. See how that's a connection? Old Testament, New Testament. All right. Then Babylon. Babylon is the third. Babylon is represented by Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon is represented by Nebuchadnezzar. Now, what does he do? What does Nebuchadnezzar do? He kills all the nobility of Israel, castrates the royal line in an attempt to destroy the nation, and all must worship his image. His, you remember Nebuchadnezzar, the one who put up the image? How many of y'all remember in the book of Daniel? Three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all with me? Y'all don't look like you with me. <clears throat> you with me? Guess where he put up that image? The plains of Shinar. Woo! In Babylon. Imagine this. What is, what is, the, what is the Antichrist going to put up? An image. Do y'all see how all this is tied together? All right. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, he wants to destroy the Jews. He wants to destroy the Hebrews. All right. Now watch this. This is so cool. <clears throat> this is so cool. Yet in this time of trouble, in this time of trouble, all, all in, 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 when, when he set up the image and said, if you don't bow down to this image when the music starts, we'll throw you into the fiery furnace. Guess what? Three virgin males stood up and witnessed to God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were eunuchs. They had been made eunuchs by Nebuchadnezzar. Now, they were virgin men who were witnesses. Let me see if you all going to catch on in a minute. And they said, now you can do what you want, but we're not bowing down. Now, you may throw us in there, and God is able to deliver us, but if not, we're still not bowing down. And when they got thrown in, when they got thrown in, Nebuchadnezzar came and looked in and said, how many did we throw in? They said, three. He said, well, there's four. What did he do? He seen God through the witness of these virgin Jewish men. The witness. I'm saying this. Y'all catching this? You remember the hundred? There you go. You remember the 144,000 Jewish virgin witnesses? Y'all see how this is tied in? Okay, hope you are because I'm excited. <laughs> Listen, what do they all three have in common so far? They want to destroy Israel. They want to destroy the seed. Medo-Persia, represented by Ahasuerus. He made a formal decree calling for the death of all Jews. You realize God is not even mentioned in the book of Esther. At that time, the people were out of fellowship with him. But yet they pray, and he answers while they are yet in exile and unbelief. That's in the book of Esther. You can go read that. What's the key so far? What are we saying they've all had in common so far? They want to destroy Israel. 
They want to destroy the line, the seed. Then we see Greece is the fourth one. Greece is the fourth one. Now we're talking about those mountains. We're talking about about those. <clears throat> are, you, are we still on the same page now? Everybody good? All right. Greece is represented in, in Antiochus Epiphanes. Though Alexander the Great spared the city during his military campaigns, his successors set up the Greek gods throughout the Holy Land. And during the days of the Maccabees, forced all Jews to worship them or die. This is another picture pointing to the end times and the Antichrist. Thank God the Hebrews were aided by God as they met their oppression with armed resistance. Once again, they want to destroy the Jews. Rome is the fifth one. Or excuse me, sixth one. That was the one that is. Rome is represented in Caesar. Rome is represented in Caesar. Remember, there were five that had fallen. Five that had fallen. In other words, these were kingdoms that had come up and they existed. And now they're going away. And now while John is writing, who's in charge? Who's, who's the kingdom? Rome. Rome. All right. He's represented by, or Rome is represented by Caesar. Those knowing only the law die at Jerusalem and Masada. By the way, we've been to Masada. It was the last stronghold, the last stand. It was really cool information about that. And I think they made a movie about that. That would be good to, to check out. The remnant who believe on the Messiah escape to preserve the nation. All right? Uh, and, and you can see that. You can see that. And, and keep in mind, too, up until Acts chapter number 8, Almost all that were being saved at that time were Jewish people. So there were, there were Jewish people who were being scattered because of the persecution. So God, God preserved his people through that. Now, what does that tie into? What's that going to be like? You remember in Matthew 24, that, that where those who tarry in the city are destroyed and those who flee to the mountains are preserved. Remember we talked about, uh, 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 my mind just went totally blank. What's the, what's this, the hiding place? In the mountains, in the wilderness. Petra, there you go. There you go. Same picture. Same picture we see. Now, so what are we saying? You have five kingdoms, five kingdoms that have come and gone. Five kingdoms that have come and gone. Five kingdoms that have come and gone. There was one that now is, that now is. That's Rome. It was in existence when John was doing the writing. But then there's coming one, or there's coming one that's going to be the Antichrist's kingdom. Now, we see seven and eight, and I'm going to explain that here in just a minute. But we see that the, the, the Antichrist is the coming out of the revived Roman Empire. You see, Rome hasn't totally gone away. It's still smoldering. It's not a flame like it used to be, but it's still smoldering. And the Antichrist is going to come out of that. He's going to be killed, and then he's going to come back. And that's when it says he comes back as the eighth. That's what that reference is to. But when he comes back, he's not coming back as a political figure and a political head. He's coming back as the beast, the Antichrist, who says, bow down and worship me. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right, now let's look at our notes. Let's look at our notes. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> we see the secret is explained, verses 7 through 15. First, I want you to write this down. A, I want you to see the identity of the conspirator. The one that's putting this all together is the Antichrist. The beast. He's orchestrating all of this. 
Then I want you to see the introduction to the confederation, verses 12 through 13. The ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, ten uh, political figures, ten rulers, earth rulers, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and their strength unto the beast. In other words, these are ten world rulers who's going to give all of their authority to the beast. We want, you to be, we want you to be the king of the world. We want you to be the ruler of the world. All right? And then I want to give you some insight into the conflict. Verse 14. What's he gathering them all together for? We, what we won, we know, we know he wants worship. He's always craved worship, always desired worship. But here's, here's something more important. He knows somebody's coming. Y'all with me? How many of y'all know that the devil knows the Bible better than us? And if he knows the Bible, he knows somebody's coming. Right? So he's got to gather everything he can to try to fight against the lamb. Fight against the king that's coming. Because he doesn't want to give up his kingdom. Does that make sense? Say amen. So what's he doing? He's gathering them together. These these kingdoms, these, these ten kings... These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is, for he is, come on, verse 14, get with us, people. Now, how is he going to overcome him? Because he is, everybody say it. Everybody say it. Say it with feeling. There you go. And say it with feeling. King of kings. And they are, that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Who's that? Us. What's that mean? Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Amen? Anyway, got to hurry. Run that time. No more. Out in sin will I abide. All right, all right, knock it off. <clears throat> all right, here we go, here we go. Look in your notes. I'm serious, we got a whole point we got to get to, guys. All right, according to Revelation 17:10, five of these kings or kingdoms had passed off the scene. We talked about them. One was present in John's day and one was yet to come. If so, then the five past kingdoms would be Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and Greece. The present kingdom would be Rome, and the future kingdom would be that of the beast. In order to understand Revelation 17, 10 through 11, we must consider Revelation 17, 12. Now, the beast not only has seven heads, but he also has ten horns, which represents the ten kings. But these are very special kings. They enable the beast to rise to power and are even willing to yield their authority to him. Recall that at the opening of the first seal, Revelation 6, 1, 2, Antichrist began his peaceful conquest of the nation. See, he was political first. You know, we've, we've seen so much bloodshed and gore and violence for, in the last few chapters we've gone through. We forget that he was this sweet, kind hero. The, the, the one on, listen, that's riding on a white horse. He is the, he is the Lone Ranger come to rescue everybody. In, in, and he's all talking peace. Peace. Well... We know that don't last for long. So he organized the United States of Europe, brought peace to the Middle East, and appeared to be the great leader the troubled world was seeking. 
But in the midst of the seven-year period, this ruler broke his covenant with Israel and began to persecute the people of God as well as the nation Israel. Energized by Satan and assisted by the false prophet, the beast became the world's dictator and its God. In this way, the beast was both one of the seven, but also the eighth. His kingdom was nothing but revival of the Roman Empire, one of the seven. But it has a new kingdom, the the eighth. All right? Let's look at number three. So what is happening? Let's, let's, let's review a minute. Let's review a minute. We got time. We find, we find this religious system, this, this woman, which represents this religious system that has become the mother and has, has brought to, to fruition all the false religions of the world. So, so this system represents every false religion of the world. And, and guess what? She's riding the beast. Now, what does that mean? That means the beast is using her to accomplish his agenda. All right? Does everybody understand that? He's using her. She, she thinks that she's in charge. She thinks that... How many of y'all know that when you're riding on a horse, you're just doing that because he's letting you? Are y'all with me? Now, she thinks she's in charge on that beast. I, my uh, brother McCormick, he, he's got a lot of cattle and stuff and... He's got, and we, he was up when we were working on the house and we drove by a pasture and there was, I'm talking about this massive bull out there. I mean, he had muscles everywhere. And he said, son, you know why that bull is staying in that pasture? I said, no, sir, because he wants to. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. And that, you know, you, you get the point. All right. She doesn't, she thinks she's in charge. This, this religious system thinks that it's in control. But little does it know, it's just being used to control the people. It's being used to control all these different cultures and all these different people because military might can't do it. Economic, economic systems haven't been able to do it, but religion will. Religion will. And so the Antichrist is using this system. Well, he doesn't need it very long because, because he's desiring the worship that the system is getting all right, look what it says in verse 15. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. In other words, the influence she's going to have is going to be universal. It's going to be universal. All right? Does everybody understand that? Verse 16. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. And shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Now all this is symbolic. For God hath put it in their heart to fulfill his will, and to agree and give their kingdoms and, and unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. So what does that mean? It, it means these political figures that have been, in, you know, I mean, this, this phrase has been in bed with. How many of y'all know that terminology? Said, well, he's been in bed with, in, in, in reference to, in cahoots with, in connection with, the, the uh, uh, dealings with. Well, these 10 confederated uh, world leaders who've been in bed with this, this system, this use this system to control people, use this system to manipulate people, 
Listen, they're going to come to a point where they hate her. And they don't want her anymore. They don't want these, these because, I mean, you got to think, every religion has rules and regulations. All right, they got guidelines. They've got dues. You got uh, commandments. You got to follow and all this kind of stuff. Well, they're going to turn against her. They're going to burn her churches, burn her cathedrals, burn them to the ground, destroy this system. All right, destroy. We don't need religion anymore. All right, is everybody with me? It's not going to last forever. It's going to come to an end. So here's what I want you to write down. This system is extinguished. First, A, it's manipulated. It's manipulated. In other words, they were just using the system to get what they wanted. The system is manipulated. Then B, it's desolated. It's destroyed. All the wealth is taken. All the wealth is taken. Anything of value is taken. Then see, it's eliminated. In the days when John's prophecy will be fulfilled, an amazing thing will happen. The harlot will be made desolate by the very system that carries her. It is important to note that the beast carries the harlot. Satan and the Antichrist will use this apostate religious system to accomplish his own ends, which is to attain world power. But then he will do away with the harlot and establish his own religious system, and all of this will be the fulfillment of God's word. Now look what verse 18 says. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Now, some people tie that into the Vatican, Vatican City, the the influence that it has over the kings of the earth. But I believe it's deeper than that. I believe it goes back to the original Babylon and the influence that it still has on the systems, the religious systems of the earth. Because you see, Babylon is the city that spawned the system that corrupted the world with false religion, and it's going to do it again. Throughout history, Babylon has been an important center of false religion. And in the end times, false religion will come back to where it all started. Babylon. Babylon. Now, what are we, what are we saying? We're saying this chapter deals with the religious aspect of Babylon. Next week, we're going to talk about the, the, uh, the economic the economic and political part of this system. All right, 17 and 18. Then verse chapter 19, we'll jump in where Jesus comes back and settles it all. Say amen. All right. All right. Early tonight, guys. Three minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. Y'all didn't think it could happen, did you? All right. Well, let's pray. Let's pray and, and, and ask the Lord to... Uh, to help us. All right. All right. Lord, thank you.